Welcome back, everyone, to Podside. This, of course, is Carlo, and uh, we are now con- we will be continuing our read along uh, the Year of the New Sun, uh, the Shadow of the Torturer, chapters twenty one through twenty six, and uh, whatever the Roman numerals are for that. I'm not going <laughs> to go with it. The gang's all here, uh, including uh, an, an enterprising Hildegrin, the podcaster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm also accompanied by a manatee and, uh, and of course, Chris. <laughs> yes. Yes. M- much I, I like the, the one character in this book, I, I am currently naked. Yeah. <laughs> I did not need to know that. <laughs> I really did not need to know that. Uh, uh, so, Pete, are, do you have um, your, is your shirt torn and you're having to, you know, cover up your your boob, your man boob? Um, it it, it can be if uh, if that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm, know, I'm, it's it's I'm a good glad. thing. This is. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, it's a good thing that this is an audio uh, yes. venue. And- <laughs> yes, I was about to say I'm I'm glad and not for the first time that we're not using uh, Squadcast or or one of the other uh, <laughs> video enabled uh, podcasting platforms. I I really prefer audio only because it helps me focus on the pure crafts of podcasting. Now that distraction. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just imagining uh, Kurt handing out a, a card. You know, podcasts of all sizes. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, please please seek me out under the sign of the blind microphone. Nope. <laughs> no, no, take too, too, too hot. Yes. No. Yes. There you go. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and with uh, that, <laughs> I will you know, be. <laughs> is that we're all sort of high energy in the exact way that allows us to talk over each other and not get anything done. It's kind of cool. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Um, Speaking of talking over each other and, you know, sort of crossing streams and whatnot, uh, it seems like there's lots of weird shit happening in these chapters. But before that, uh, as as per the points of order in the previous uh, episode, um, previously on The Shadow of the Torturer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy you did that. (laughs) So uh, anyone want to, well, Pete, you have just volunteered for giving me the synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there's this guy named Severian, and Severian thinks he has perfect recall, but all evidence indicates he's a dumbass. Um, He is... uh, uh, he is he is apprenticed as a torturer, goes through a lot of shit, eventually uh, gets kicked out of the torturer's guild for being nice to somebody, and basically got sent upriver to become an executioner in some small town, uh, and they gave him a powerful artifact, because that's what you do when you shit-can someone. Uh, <laughs> from there, um, he ended Pete, up, uh, yes. Pete, I-, I will say that, um, that I have actually seen plenty of people, uh, fail sideways into better positions. So not exactly, yeah. you know, not well, exactly it, un- uncalled for, but go the, ahead. I'm sorry. Well, the, the last time I got fired, I, I was given the Ark of the Covenant. So, you know, <laughs> I, oh, oh, I was going to say, I was given that, that most precious artifact of all the last time that I got shit canned, which was severance. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is the holy grail <laughs> yeah no I, I definitely i worked at a place for years and because of severance 
they decided to make my job as unhappy an experience as possible. It's like, oh, Pete, you're a professional trainer. You like being in front of people? You have a spreadsheets job now. Oh, like, just uh... fucking tightening it until I ran. But, you know, Jeez. that's... <laughs> That's business, folks, and yeah. and it, it got me into this exciting that's, cult that pays that's well. What you, that's what you get for accepting a, 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 a position training members of the Guild of Torturers. Yes. Well, that was, I was going to say that that was like uh, if Pete ever uh, ever visited one of the cells in the Matachin Tower, like they, they walk him past, you know, like uh, what was the, the necklace and yeah. the revolutionary. He's like, here you go. An Excel spreadsheet. What a nightmare. You must enter numbers forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One, so I actually one, two. I think I've been one, doing two, pretty three. well at the speed run of this. I, you I, are, I, yes. I, yes. I yes. probably missed some details. <laughs> we, side, we sidetracked you. Well, that, that's it's fine, Pete. You know, if if they want to really, really get into it, uh, we do have the previous episode. So we're just sort of getting everyone up to speed. Okay. So um, he ends up uh, sleeping in a bed with two other guys um, and then uh, gets... Uh, Gets caught up in like a dually thing where he has to, uh, uh, like I don't even know how to describe this part. Could somebody bail me out? Like, so th he's he's handed <laughs> he's handed a, a challenge which comes in the form of a what he initially um, mistakes as a stone because it's a black, it looks black and stone like, and it's actually the seed of the Avern, which is uh, we we have not heard you know anything about it we don't know anything about it we're just told that it's a type of flower and that that is the dueling weapon which you know sort of evokes certain imagery in one's mind um and then uh takes the <laughs> apparently the long way around uh, the city with uh the sister of the rag sheep rag shop i should say uh keeper uh agilis uh, Agia, who he, um, you know, as is uh, Severian's uh, habit, falls immediately in love with her, uh, you know, and she takes him on a madcap race, uh, trying to beat the, the, the idiot armager that he found in the, uh, when he was looking at the picture of the moon landing, uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, out of context, you just sound insane. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then, and then uh, don't forget, he crashes into a temple and somehow, uh, the, the claw of the conciliator, which is a gem, uh, apparently the last remnant of the conciliator, which may or may not be alien Jesus. We're not entirely sure. Um, the the last remaining relic of him, which is has taken a gem gem like form, uh, disappears, and then the temple uh, guardians just decide. Well, we believe your story, but it's actually well, a fingernail, I believe. It is, yeah. It's the yes. the, the fingernail, yeah. Um, so so the 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 temple guardians go. <laughs> well, we believe your story, Severian. Guess we're leaving now. Bye. <laughs> and then they head to the uh, to the botanical gardens. 
wherein um, Severian <laughs> tells himself a story, much to the chagrin and annoyance of Agia, his his guide, uh, because he's telling it to himself aloud, apparently, <laughs> uh, about uh, Father Inir's mirrors. Uh, so anyway... And so we uh, we we left the sand room, or, or I forget, with a a desert room anyway, and then uh, where they spent way too much time because uh, Severian, although he has perfect recall, uh, apparently does not remember that he argued with Agia um, quite a bit about wanting wanting to leave, and and she tells him, "I told you that some of these rooms in the botanical garden." Uh, basically, uh, they 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 work a sort of a charm on on certain types of people, especially if they're you know they, they're very suggestible. Um, not every room, but certain ones. And so the desert one uh, appealed to Severian enough that they they spent half the morning uh, like just trying to get him out of there. They then moved across the way to uh, basically a jungle room. And that is where we continue our tale. Every five pages of this story, I'm I my my face takes on the appearance of Walter White <laughs> and the Jesse. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, where it's like we need to go. Uh, it's it's just I it, it's it's got this. It's gone from um like a shaggy dog tail to like this strange dreamlike quality of. I just don't I just I just don't know what's like what's going to happen next. You know, in the course of the chapters we're about to talk about, um they well, you, find you, you, a you... naked woman covered in mud. Uh let's see. They they listen to what appears to be a Victorian or modern day couple that I think it's modern day. I think it's modern day Savannah or something. They they uh they go and pick an alien death flower they uh they they ha they they get up to like rom-com hijinks in a treehouse i don't what the, what the <laughs> fuck is going on it's great it's great but i don't know what's going on <laughs> It's so funny because you, 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 for other people that might be a knock, but for you, Kurt, you're oh, like, no, I love it. What the it's, fuck I, is I, I, what the fuck I is going it. on? This is delightful. It's like it's it's like the first ten pages of a sci-fi and fantasy novel, but it never stops being the first ten pages. Where it's <laughs> you, like, you know, oh shit, Kurt, you you hit upon it. Book of the New Sun is E1 in book yeah, format. Basically, oh my God. Yeah, basically, yeah. it basically yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Is this a new book that we're starting? <laughs> yeah. For, for those of you who don't know, E1 is a podcast where every episode is the first episode of a different podcast. Uh, and <laughs> so much like that, this book is like a, a new, the starting, the first 10 pages of a new science fiction book every 10 pages. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is, it is somewhat, it, I'll, I'll say it's helped somewhat if you are reading um, and like looking up words as you go, because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of unexplained words still that that, you know, to I, I assume this is just like Gene Wolfe's thing in this book, at least, where it's just constant use of, you know, words that seem familiar to our ear because they're archaic, but now have a slightly different meaning. Like, for instance. As soon as I saw Avern, I looked it up, and you know, and and Avernus is the the creator of, of a volcano, 
which explain you know which which comes up in in these chapters so it's not without meaning or context but it is like a nonstop barrage of you know f- father preturn hefted the philately and struck a grim fingal bangle against <laughs> his nemesis the the archfang or whatever you know <laughs> 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 it's, yeah, I. Uh, you know, I'm 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 causing a delay here, like I'm about to say something insightful, and I'm really not. Like I've got <laughs> I've got nothing to say about this except it is it is artfully done. Like I don't know what the fuck's going on. What time is it? Like I'm I'm lost in my house reading this fucking book, but it is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I. I, I think the thing that impressed me a, a, a bunch uh, with these group of chapters is like just I mean, as the whole book has been, but like this this chapters in particular, like it's dense, but it's still so readable. Like it just goes down so quickly, but like there's so much there. Like I, I, I it's it's not a hard book to get through because you're just it's you know, his his prose is so, uh, you know, deftly written. It's pros. It's not amateurs. <laughs> oh! <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, Chris. To that point, um, I I think that what helps it is it remains squarely focused on the characters who are fairly consistent and very well realized. Like whenever a new character is introduced, you know almost immediately exactly either what they're like or what you're meant to think that they're. Like, right, like, um, you know, you you mentioned in our offline chat, they introduced a character named, what is it, uh, uh, Hildegard, and um, he's described as beef, like a, a huge man who's beef-faced, and, you beef know, face. you immediately get the idea that he's like, you know, he's like a serious, grumpy tradesman, and that's, and that's who he is, and we know who Severian is, and we have a good idea of who Agia is. Uh, Dorcas <laughs> shows up and is almost immediately... Like recognizable as like this kind of slightly spacey. Uh, she seems to have, I don't know, I wouldn't say like v- visions, but she seems to be. Uh, she seems to have a tendency to suddenly deliver weird wisdom out of nowhere, um, <laughs> and just everyone feels very memorable. And so, even though the events swirling around them are borderline incomprehensible, um, it's it's very easy to follow because you know, Severian is just kind of prattling on and he's like, well, and then I decided that I was going to do this and, and I really wanted a drink. And so we went to the weird, you know, ancient tree house and we got a drink. And and so like, even though you're puzzled yeah. about what the purpose of the ancient tree house is and what they're talking about with the walls and what, like why they seem to stretch up to the sky. And you're like, wait, is this like, are they inside like a domed city or something? Like what's going on here in, in the moment, you know, they're going for a drink before he has a duel to the death. Everything around that is interesting sci-fi fantasy specfic detail that that lends a strange character to it. But you could you could easily take the bones of this story for the most part and transpose it into something very familiar. And the interactions make sense for the most part. Every so often something happens that throws you for a loop and then you get very curious about like, you, you know, what is what is Monomachy? You know, for instance, like, what the hell are they talking about? Um, but but for the most part, it's comprehensible, even though uh, on a granular level, large stretches of it are incomprehensible. 
Right. Right. I, I, I also, uh, want to point back to the, the, the mystification, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, of what would be, uh, like you said, Kurt, uh, science fictional, uh, artifacts or concepts that because this is a world that is so far removed from even that science fictional future that it is now in decline. The sun is you know, bloated and red in the sky. Everyone knows that the sun's about to die, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And so they're so far removed from even that future that we would consider science fictional, uh, you know, like, rockets and whatnot so we don't we, we're never given those words we're given other words that are strangely often ancient words for <laughs> ancient creatures that we're unsure if you know like i made a joke about you know like when we were before we were on mic about you know how this thiaclines or whatever the fuck they're called uh might for all we know be just ostriches but we'll we'll never know. They could also be whatever the thiaclines are. You know, when you look it up, mm-hmm. or it could be an entirely different thing that has just been given a placeholder name, uh, and we don't know what it looks like at all. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, it 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 is it is interesting because then you have to sort of navigate and f- try to figure out if you are so inclined what exactly the, those details are, but those details are not necessary to know. Those are puzzles that are sort of strewn along the path. You are just along the, along for the ride with Severian. Uh, and Severian is not behind the wheel either. So apparently, uh, and that's also somewhat, um, somewhat interesting because he is a, uh, almost to the point of a, a depressive character, uh, just, very passive about certain yeah. things. The, so that was something I was going to mention with this is that it it struck me that Gene Wolf really likes Gene Wolf really <laughs> likes to have somebody pop up who is very driven in what they're doing and kind of leads Severian around by the hand. Um mm-hmm. he especially seems to like it to be a young woman who is in some stage of undress. <laughs> I have I am noticing a uh a a certain a, a, a certain pattern. 70s new wave uh pattern here that was, mm-hmm. that really, you know. uh, yeah, like to, to be a, to be particular... honest uh, this is this is very similar to uh, a Piers Anthony novel except written well, much better yeah well <laughs> I, I, I i i get what you mean in your in your joking way you're not entirely wrong but but i I, I would put it quite like that, owing to the to the vast baggage, the the airport terminal <laughs> worth of baggage that Pierre Anthony has. But mm-hmm. also, but, these women are entirely too old. Yes, yes. There, there is. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, there, there's the moment when um, Dorcas is like making a philosophical conjecture, where she's like, "It, you know, doesn't doesn't the pleasure of good things in the real world?" lessen the your you know your appreciation for your internal sense of well-being here see what here touch my boob and see what i mean <laughs> oh, yeah. okay all right it's, you know there we go well you're you're right <laughs> <laughs> turns out um but yeah uh so so can can we can we just uh hit the, the 
because you you mentioned Kurt that you weren't un, you were you were a little unsure about what the time period was uh, about the hut in the jungle, and uh, I think Chris probably picked up uh, on it as as much as I did that uh, when there is a moment where he's like, uh, "Did you see their flyer? It had such weird you know such a weird shape to it," mm-hmm. uh, and basically he's describing like a prop plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, true. Yes, yeah. Uh, so, so it is, it is interesting, but I, I did want to point out that, uh, I did look up like Izangoma and I forget if it's the, uh, what is it? The Tolokche or whatever? Tokoloche. Tokoloche. Yeah. The Tokoloche. Um, so this is, uh, I'm going to guess it's some sort of missionary, uh, a couple of missionaries in what appears to be South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I was going to maybe... guess Angola because of the Paris connection. Oh. Oh. Paris? Yeah, yeah, the the plane was supposed to be coming from Paris, and he gave up his art career there. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I I, I looked up uh, Tokolosh and Izangoma, and apparently these are, um, I believe, Zulu or Josa. I, I'm not sure how you pronounce the Hosa. Uh, I think Hosa. Okay, um, words. Um, so so I I there is a giant. Uh, I I wasn't aware of this. There is a a giant um, sort of jungle, like almost tropical jungle in in parts of South Africa. So I'm going to guess that's probably where that's, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, this just shows like gene, gene wolves, um, <laughs> you know, sort of uh, worldliness in, yeah. even in, in, in his moment in, you know, the eighties when he's, in, when he's writing this, uh, because Can you know, we- like, go ahead. No, no, no. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. No, I, I was just going to, I think that was more or less it. Cause I, I, I was just going to say like, you know, like if I had been reading this as a kid, I'd be like, what this is like fantasy shit <laughs> yeah well and in the 80s i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna defend our buddy gene wolf here i there was there was still enough cultural headspace to say for people to say what if we were what if we were good colonialists <laughs> you, you know what i mean and so like the the idea of of dragging people into um exotic climbs and that sort of thing would be okay so long as you you tried to make it clear that you were the, the the people there were trying to engage honestly with the cultures, and it really does feel like that's what he's trying to do here. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I I didn't, you know, I didn't really take it as a, um, like trying to be uh, what, what's the word? I'm benevolent. Uh, I think he was just reporting on something because what he's he's doing here is sort of like a concordance, right? Um. Because the the woman reads to the Izangoma, uh, or or to Izangoma. I'm not sure if that's his name because it is is also a title. Um, uh, and she says, then he went up from the plain to Mount Nebo, the headland that faces the city, and the compassionating showed him the whole country, all the land as far as the Western Sea. Then she said to him, "This is the land I swore to your fathers I should give their sons. You have seen it." but you shall not set your feet upon it. So there he died and was buried in the ravine. So, you know, this is, I, I, I had to look it up because I wasn't absolutely certain, but this is in fact the sort of like the Moses being told that he will never set foot in the promised land. And what happens is that by Severian and uh, Agia stepping into the hut, it proves a point that Izangoma knows, which is that the, um, the to- the Tokolosh uh, will haunt you from the future, 
the Tokolosh exists in a point in time that is so far, so far in the future that the earth it's on the verge of the earth's ending. Mm. And I, I don't know whether he's trying to make a point that the, the, um, the missionaries are, are benevolent or whatnot. They're not immediately like trying to, to whip, uh, Izangoma or do anything nasty to him. So maybe there is something to that. I, I wouldn't be able to say really, I, I didn't read it that way is what I'm saying. And so I, I kind of, when I was reading it, I kind of took it as if like, it, and this, like, this is less more like less theme and more um just like mechanics. It seems like they almost like were transported back in time. Like they were like the, this section of the botan- bot- botanic gardens was some sort of like, you know, because they mentioned the father and Neri uh, and his mirrors, and like we know that that he he apparently uses that for uh, faster than like travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I I just got the sense that like when they walked into this like house, they kind of just were just walking into like an actual like time mm-hmm. that existed, like rather than just like this recreation of it. Yeah, it's my that that was my interpretation too that they were that they were kind of overlapping with the past. They weren't yeah. quite there, but they were there in such a way that they could be almost perceived by someone who was sensitive to it as a sort of zeitgeist or time ghost if you will. Mm. Um and and yeah, and that that definitely put things more in perspective in terms of like why is the why are the botanical gardens so weird? Um, mm-hmm. And that it kind of makes sense in that, and 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 later there's a reference to the fact that like they're they're in this like this kind of area of lakes and pools, and it's mentioned that you know part of the pool is on the other side of the world from <clears throat> from where they are. Yeah, and it's, it suggests it's some kind of both like space and time displacement of, of some kind, but it's being presented to us in the form of like you know, a tool for leisure that it's, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition of something that in any other story feels like it should be treated with uh great seriousness and import of like, here's this important piece of technology and how it works. And here the characters are just kind of treating it like a lark, like, Oh, don't wander off the path. You're going to get all fucked up and weird, you know? And, and, and meanwhile, they're talking about like burying, burying corpses by filling them with lead on the other side of the world. And just all sorts of weird shit. But you know, and and then of course in, in this you know here we have this weird uh, interlude with with like missionaries. Um, actually, uh, an aside, uh, what this reminded me of uh, was the 1980 film "The Gods Must Be Crazy," which is exactly <laughs> yes. exactly the sort of benevolent colonial um, uh, story that um, that Carlo was was referring to a, a moment ago, and it's it's a it's one of those films that I grew up watching and I loved as a kid and I still quite like, but it is in its own way, deeply racist. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, Mm. it's kind of like a comedic adventure film about like, what if, what if um, uh, a a plane dropped a, a Coke bottle, like an empty glass Coke bottle on an indigenous uh, village. And they interpreted it as like a sign from the gods. The, the, The whole concept is like, very deeply problematic. The, the, the whole film is very problematic, but I, I have to say it reminded me of it. 
uh, and I don't know where I'm going with that, but it that's just, it's just it just brought that back to my mind. It's it's if you if you could set aside the racism, it's a charming film. Now I wouldn't mm-hmm. recommend that, but I'm I'm just saying it, rem- it reminded <laughs> me of it. Ay ay ay. Um, but so, uh, Kurt, you mentioned that and it's right at the beginning of the same chapter, right? The hut in the jungle, and like uh, maybe three, four chapters down, um, uh, we get like this little vignette where it's like, if it's true that each of us has an antipolaric brother somewhere, <laughs> yes, a bright, a bright twin if we are dark, a dark yes. twin if we are bright, then that hut was surely such a changeling to one of our cells because he's thinking of it, it felt to him like a cell in the Medellin Tower. But but to your to your point, uh Chris, um one of the things that uh that immediately came to mind here in specifically this chapter, uh, when they walk into the hut, is in fact that it's like, oh, okay, so the botanical gardens, they're not exactly they they exist, they have a space in like uh Severian's world. Mm-hmm. But they're moving also, you know, backwards in time or forwards in time, which then, of course, this, you know, sort of lays it bare a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But then if you think what's, you know, like if we're thinking about uh, something, I believe Agia says, I think it was um, a couple of chapters back where she's talking about the, the claw of the conciliator and mentions that if the conciliator uh, basically was a master of energy, he would also be a master of time. Good point about that. Good point there. So, so here we have also think about why would uh, Severian be arguing in the desert? And what's what significance that might have if we're getting a Moses oh, yes. uh, anecdote well, here? <laughs> there there was ahead. also a quote that very much reminded me of um, uh, Jesus talking to um, Satan uh, in the desert um, mm-hmm. in its structure. And I could be totally misreading this. I'm I'm like scanning back through the book real quick. Let me find it. Um, but but he he talks about kind of like uh, oh gosh. Gosh, ding darn it. Let's see. It's after, wait, no, it's before Dorcas. Let's see. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, uh, I can't, I can't find it, but, but it's talking about like, you know, saying, you know, stretch out your arms and, oh, oh, I know what it is. It's, it, it's a part that, that, that reminded me of the Lion King where he's like, you know, stretch out your hand and, and look and all these things, you know, would be yours and, and uh, and it, it very much reminded me of, of the moment where, like, you know, Christ is in is in the desert for 40 days and and Satan is like, come on, you know, just take all the world. You know, it's right there for you to grab um, now. Now, that could just be coincidence, but it, it definitely felt like there was some biblical undertones that arose mm-hmm. from somewhere at that part mm-hmm. of the text. Mm-hmm. I also uh, before we get to uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I also want to point out that the the pools also seem to have like these uh, like uh, you know Severian falls into one of them and then is uh, is pulled out, but also is, you know like Terminus Est falls off of him and into the water, and he's like you know sort of like almost frenzied trying to to find it, and there's these um, like a, a network of roots that have held it in place. Uh, and it reminded me of the big, 
beginning. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that, too. I was wondering about about that. The other thing I was wondering about is, of course, that that chapter ends with him saying, you know, like this hand rose up and he grabbed it and and it was felt, it felt like it was pulling on him. And then the very next chapter begins with this mysterious person covered in mud, pulling him up out of the river. And I was like, wait, is that mm. is is she the the supposed dead body that was in the water and now she's gotten out and is helping him out? Or was she around? And it's just not addressed. Are there two yeah. hands? Yes. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah. it is it is hinted because they find the old man who is who's who's developed his own system. Like he's he's playing the ponies, but this he's trying to find his old wife mm-hmm. uh, that's been buried in you know under under the water in in the um I, I what what is the the name of the place I, I forget um the 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 infinite fen where they they need to go cut the avern flower uh they meet this old man and he's sort of pulling around and he's like yeah well they they buried her uh this year and i i've developed a system and i i started you know circling around and spiraling outward and blah blah and so on and so forth but the bodies move and so he he says oh i'm looking for Cass," which dorcas <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. <laughs> wow, I did not. Oh, yeah. boy. I didn't Jeez. notice that. Damn. <laughs> Damn. He's cucking Good that old man. Yep. <laughs> he snaked her. Damn. So can I catch you, give give our audience a little behind the curtain what it's like for Pete recording an episode thing? <laughs> Please do. I saw okay, your messages. So- So, uh, you know, in in the middle of all this, I started hearing my dogs barking and like Chewie's just going to bark. It doesn't matter. But like Leia is the one with brains and judgment and she started barking, too. So I'm like, shit, something's happening. And I hear one of my bookshelves fall over. So I'm like, I need to check this out. So I go and they're like desperately trying to get through the front door and I open the door and let him out. And I'm like, okay. And then in the distance. I hear semi-automatic fire. <laughs> Ooh, mm. Yeah, so, I mean, post-episode, I've got to round them up. I think it's far enough away, I give up. Like, who am I to tell my dogs that barking won't scare off people with guns? Now, when you say round them up, you mean the dogs, and not yes. the people with the semi-automatic weapons. <laughs> yes. you're, not, you're not forming a posse comitatus. <laughs> no, no, right well, now. Dude, I've been rearranging regulators, my house, and I, I have I have no idea where my my uh, my superhero outfit is. So, like, I'm <laughs> I'm stuck being a normie. I've just got to look after my dogs. The greatest American hero. Right <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, wow, Pete. Um, yeah, I, I I can't fault Chewie for wanting to bark back. Uh, yeah. Well, I-, I mean, he's he's the best. Like, I got to tell you, man, if if you're if you're in a, a neighborhood where you're worried about crime, uh, one of the things you can do is go to a shelter and find a nice dog that outweighs you slightly. <laughs> and <laughs> it is amazing what that's going to do for you. He's he's <laughs> uh, che- Chewie is so sensitive to mishaps that it's it's like you have one of those giant arrays that they use to detect like an individual, uh, you know, Higgs boson particle <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just constantly vibe checking the entire block well and it, he's definitely come to the conclusion that we're the only people who are supposed to be on this block so if he sees anyone else he's like fuck off just move 
<laughs> so, so what you're saying is get a, a, a large dog that has a large streak of solipsism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I and only I belong in this world. Fuck off. Speaking of things that don't belong in this world, um, mm-hmm. I, I have a question for you all, which is, which is a, uh, a tactical question or a procedural question. How much point of order? Yes, yes, yes. Point of order. Um, how much do you all try to figure out what and if something bigger is going on within the text? Like, to what extent do you stop and ponder versus just keep reading and in in the in the knowledge that you know the story will progress whether you understand it or not? I. So, so this is, um, I'm going to be a little unfair here because this is my second time round, you know, read, you know, oh, reading so I, I'm sure Shadow it all makes perfect part. sense now. Oh no, because I haven't <laughs> finished the entire thing. <laughs> so yeah, I, I understand the shadow of the torture. Um, however, uh, I will say that while I'm reading, I do not, uh, try to, like, I may pause briefly, you know, put my finger on, on a, on a phrase and close the book and maybe, you know, ponder something real quick, but, but I try not to stop, uh, mainly because the rest of the week is, le- is for me to gnaw on the thoughts that have, that the, the, the text has provoked. Um, so, you know, uh, I, while I'm reading, I don't stop, but afterwards I think about it. If that makes sense. I've decided to just read it through and absorb what I can organically, and I'll try again once I'm done with this round. That's my plan. Guys, the dog has been barking nonstop for 10 minutes. I'm going to take 30 seconds to get him back in the house. I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. So while Pete is gone, what do you all think about Pete, really? (laughs) (laughs) No, okay, okay. No, you know what? You know what? I have an actual... I have an actual point of discussion, which, uh, which is, you know, I really struggle to start new books. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am one of those people who has been afflicted by streaming service disease where you just, you spend an hour just scrolling through like the things that you haven't seen. You're like, I could watch that or I could watch that or I could watch that. <laughs> like, which will it be? Which is going to be the perfect one? Um, and I get the same thing with, with books where I'm like, oh, there's all these there's dozens and dozens of books that I've kind of meant to read. And I don't know which one I want to, I don't want to start reading in something and I'm going to fall out of. Um, and, uh, and, and this book is interesting because I, I feel like I could step away from it at any time, but at the same time, I want to keep reading it. And I've been forcing myself to read it, you know, five chapters at a time, usually right before, we record finishing like 20 minutes beforehand. So I have usually haven't had a lot of time to, to digest. Um, and it, it, this is like, I, I both, I, I both get the sense that this is a book that I would be super into, even if I weren't doing it as, you know, somewhat required reading every, every two weeks for the podcast I'm on. Um, but, but I, I, I don't know. There's, there's something about a book like this that makes it easier to fall into than some other some some intangible quality of like propulsiveness um and like un sur- the surprising nature of it like it just feels so different from anything else that I've read that like I I want to become familiar with it it doesn't have that off-putting familiarness of a lot of books that I read now and so my my question is do either of you feel that or am I totally talking up a treat here 
No, and I, I think that's kind of what I'm like grasping to say when I keep saying that it's readable, where it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, this, it's all new and like, it's kind of like jumbly, uh, in that, like, you know, we're talking about how these chapters are all just a bunch of stuff that like, doesn't quite yeah, make exactly, sense. Yeah. But like, it's still like, you know, you're still, but it's still like, it, you know, it's, it's reminiscent of stuff that, you know, have come before, but like, it's just, it's just flow everything the, the like I keep saying the prose flows so well. I, I, I think that's kind of like, I think we're almost saying the same thing from two different ends. Yeah, I, I agree. And, 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 and the, the prose is, is definitely a big part of it. Like it's, it's not, we, 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 we've said it before, but it, it bears repeating that Gene Wolfe's prose is just fucking good. Like yeah. it's just good in a way that I don't know if it's just, you know, he's especially good, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess is part of it or, yeah. you know, it's very well edited. He's, it's just really good both functional and artistic prose mm-hmm. like what if what if zelazny didn't care if you were in on the joke exactly sort of how- yeah exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yep uh so so i think your your assessment pete really gives me an end to how i i'm sort of approaching it and i i think i've said it before that wolf leaves these little puzzles for you to ponder but they're not central to the plot they're not a reveal in and of themselves right Mm. uh Mm -hmm. they could be they could be because it informs sort of the world but the 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 main puzzle is severian himself right and he and i feel like it's it's one of these things and i think i said this when we were doing uh lord of the rings month that to a certain degree tolkien does this as well there are certain things that he will withhold um it's and some of it is you know like uh in tolkien's uh sense it's he withholds like full-on happiness no one's ever truly happy with what they get um in gene wolf's uh sense he is withholding sort of the science fictional the more science fictional stuff uh, if, bec- from becoming front and center because yeah. he wants you to sort of piece it together. But also it's fine if you don't because you're following Severian and Severian knows, <laughs> knows about his world as much as you do. Dear reader. Mm. Yeah. He's kind <laughs> of a, he's kind of a gifted, stupid person, right? Like, like, <laughs> yes, like, yes. like he's, he's clever, but he doesn't know anything. And he's open to himself about not knowing anything. Like, like we talked about last time, he, he, he kind of, he kind of assumes less of himself than, than he probably should. Like it, it's clear that he's, he's like a real ass kicker in this world, but like, he doesn't believe that he's like, well, these people seem to know what they're talking about. So I'll take them at their word. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, that, that kind of makes him an, 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 an ideal observer of things, right. Where he's like, I, I, he doesn't really trust anything, but he accepts everything as like, as it happens. If somebody mm-hmm. tells him, don't step in this swamp, you're going to fuck your hand up. He's like, Oh, I guess I can't step in the swamp. Then I don't want to fuck my hand up. That would be terrible. <laughs> um, uh, but he's either a moron or the Buddha, and I don't know which yet. 
Yeah, well, I, I think yeah. I think the the I when think, you meet Severian in the road, you must kill him. Yeah, <laughs> watch out though; he'll fuck you up real bad. <laughs> well, so so Pete, you say that, and it's a joke, but also like, isn't that sort of like in and of itself exactly like that weird paradox that that would exist if he was totally enlightened? Like like uh, I, I'm 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 sort of joking, but also I'm thinking about uh, I forget where it it comes up where. Um, He's Severian's talking about like if if the you know he doesn't say philosophers but I guess you know whatever the philosophers are of that time period uh, say that the world is is basically created from basically anew every day with the rising of each sun you know this is this is Severian he sort of is brand new every day and uh, you know that that may be the way he approaches life it could be that. Weirdly, he's you know he's he's basically uh, he, he's doing uh, what is it uh, quantum leaping from a future? <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Yeah. It doesn't you know it, it it's a mystery. But Severian is the biggest puzzle of the entire fucking <laughs> yeah. thing. Oh, Sal, here oh, we go time. again. <laughs> over time, he's become the most interesting. Uh, uh, it, go ahead. It, no, I was going to say it, it occurs to me that we're having all this like high minded discussion in part because. The summary of these five chapters is basically like Severian falls into a lake and picks a flower. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's basically it's what true. happens in these five chapters. So, but I have to say they're some of the most intriguing five chapters of the of the 25 or so that we've read so far in this book. So th- this is kind of maybe uh, pretentious, but I, I, I kind of find Severian uh, to be a kind of like Candide character who's kind of just Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You're right. Like going through the world, like you know, like the 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 happy, the oblivious optimist who's lived like you know lived this sheltered life and doesn't know better, and like going out and actually like encountering the world as it is. He he is dare we say Panglossian? <laughs> exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, well, uh, you know, he, should he, we should, he should. Oh, go ahead. The crazy barking that was going on and stuff. He oh, was yeah. at the bottom of the stairs barking at me. <laughs> the most dangerous person in the neighborhood. I, absolutely, he's like snack, snack, snack. Uh, All right, man. Um, yeah, Panglossian. Well, you know, uh, we should tend to our gardens as long as they are not gardens full of Avernus flowers. So, <laughs> how cool uh, is it's 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 interesting how um, Severian describes things not through as you knows, but through his own personal first-hand experience with it right so like yeah he doesn't know anything about it. like 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 uh i think chris mentioned he doesn't know anything for most of these things maybe it was carl i don't know um and, and so like he hi chewy he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> know what an avern flower is so he's like oh it's this beautiful white flower oh whoa it's got super sharp leaves whoa what the fuck it's all poison oh damn it's got these like weird like hypnotic spirals on it um yes. and so like that's what we know about it is only the firsthand experience of seeing it and uh, so many other authors would be like but would have somebody be like, well, the Avern flower was brought to us by, you know, blah, blah, and blah, blah mm-hmm. from this distant planet. And it's it was originally, you know, it adapted these sharp poison leaves to protect it from lizards that would try to eat the flower. And, and we don't know or care about any of that. Severian's mm-hmm. like, is it a sword? Is it a mace? How am I going to hit someone with it? Is it like a pool in the middle? <laughs> it's, it's got these sharp things. Oh, I can throw them like, you know, like a I, Gambit's I throwing card. 
I, I well, can't. Yeah. I can't wait to. I can't wait to get the Avern flower in Elden Ring, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm gonna need somebody <laughs> somber, uh, somber stones to upgrade. Plus, he, plus he, he's gambit with a green thumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to this uh, flower, Shari. <laughs> I, I, I really, I really love the. Yeah. I, I, I really love the touch that um, the flowers apparently have some sort of like optical illusion where that was they cool. Seem, they seem like they're further away than they actually are um, in order to like you know like trick you into like you know getting cut with their poisonous edges and stuff like that. That that was really cool. Well, I mean, it, it would it would uh, it would probably given that they take well to these marshy. Uh, the, the the marshy um uh sort of like uh environment of i found it finally the uh what is it the uh shit i you, lost you it, said you found <laughs> it carlo come on god damn it the garden of endless sleep that's what there it we is. go uh, um uh, uh so it would you know given given that uh a lot of the plants that live in marshy environments need are basically carnivorous in some way shape mm. or form but then again that's i think to to kurt's point it's 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 not telling you, mm-hmm. oh, see, they live in a marsh, and so they need to eat. You know, they need right. the you know, like meat and and animals to to survive, to get the sufficient amount of nitrogen and blah blah. He's like, no, Severian wouldn't know any of that shit. Neither would <laughs> anyone else. So fuck it. <laughs> right. He finds a bunch of fucking skeletons underneath the Avern flower. He he almost pokes himself in the fucking eye with one of its leaves, and then goes, oh wait, shit. <laughs> It seems cl- it seems further away than I, I thought it was. <laughs> um, I and like that, oh, the uh, use, by the way, of unfamiliar units of measurement hmm. has stood out to me a bunch of times in this. So it, there's the the L, which is about forty five inches apparently. There's the uh, the cubit, cubit, which is one f- forearm uh, breadth. I'm sure many people know the the, the cubit from uh, Noah's Ark. Uh, mm. pop- uh, it's the video the video game. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Q asterisk bit. It's that little guy you have to jump downstairs and not fall off the side of the stairs. By the way, I would, I would, uh, I would jump off the stairs on purpose when I was a little kid because I think the sound was so funny. It was. But yeah, I, I really like that that touch of using like the biblical me- uh, measurements. So, for instance, like when he mentions that like the, the tiniest pinprick was enough to kill this entire plant. There's one L wide. That's like a 45 inch plant. That's like a, you know, like, like a four foot across plant. Um, so that's a, that's a serious poison. That's not great. Um, I like his speculation that, you know, like maybe it was just like a coincidence that this plant happened to be super poison on our world that maybe it was just like a, like a quirk of biochemistry, essentially. It's, it's a, <laughs> it's a reverse Superman. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What? If- <laughs> what if Superman was poisonous under uh, under the yellow I'm sun? I'm sure. I'm sure that's happened. I'm sure somebody has done a a what if Superman was 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 poisonous? <laughs> Elseworlds uh, uh, comic. Well, that's kind of like Doctor Manhattan, though, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, true, 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 true. So uh, they they also find uh, so uh, one of the weird things that we we mentioned um, that uh, part of the gang was a manatee and it, so they they find manatees exist in the fens in the waterways of this uh, garden of eternal sleep uh, who were brought there uh, I forget 
Uh, actually, it, I don't know that it says that they were brought there. Maybe I'm making a conjecture here. I thought to myself that they they mention uh, water hyacinth, and uh, I know that water hyacinth really clog up waterways. Mm. So uh, you know, I, I do remember that there was like this project in the U.S. that oh well, uh, you know, in perfect um, logical manner, water hyacinths are clogging up our waterways. You know what loves to eat water hyacinths? <laughs> hippos. Oh. <laughs> it's like oh yeah, that, that'd be great having hippos on the loose throughout Louisiana. <laughs> I don't remember oh. water hyacinths, but I do. Remember- remember the a, a note that the manatees freaked people out and so they planted the averns there on purpose because it would kill the manatees so instead <laughs> you would get fucking shredded ass manatee not not shredded like jacked although that would be <laughs> that's a horrifying mental image um but but you know like ripped apart man, like the, oh the, manatees oh, the would, huge manatees oh, yes thank you <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's the it's the Shiba Inu it's the Doge uh, meme where it's the 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 super jacked manatee yes, exactly. yes. and a tiny manatee. Um, so so uh, Kurt, I think my mind uh, went to that because uh, so brief aside, uh, Puerto Rico uh, colony of Spain first, um, and then colony of the U.S. Uh, so one of the things that happened was that uh, the Spaniards brought because there were quote snakes. There, there, there are no there are no native poisonous snakes in or uh, venomous snakes in Puerto Rico. <laughs> There's the Puerto Rican boa, and it is not poison. It is not venomous. Mm. Uh, yeah, so it's not it's not lethal. But they brought. They decided. Well, there were snakes, so we're going to bring mongooses from. Mm. There are other colonies across the world to take care of the snakes. I've seen Ricky um, Dicky Tabby. Makes perfect sense. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Or that Simpsons uh, episode. Yes, that too. <laughs> so, so, uh, and then, you know, there, there was also, uh, weirdly, cane toads became popular in Puerto Rico oh. when the Americans <laughs> brought the sugar cane as a gigantic uh, export. Uh, so, so we have plenty Wait, of uh, Americans issues. brought sugar cane. I believe. Well, let's we put wouldn't it this way: do that uh, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, you wouldn't do that. Not, not no. nothing so extractive. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, I, I, I didn't mean it like that. I was just saying that, like everybody was fucking extractive. I'm surprised that nobody else was like, "Hey, here's a way to make money off of other people's labor." <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, the, the thing is that you bring one thing to uh, counter another, and then that becomes a problem. So then you bring another thing to counter the problem that you've just created, and then, well, you know, well, I, I also, I, we could also point to Australia. So that's well, another story altogether. I know why uh, that old lady swallowed that fly. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <Nice. laughs> it, was to, it was to prevent all the mongooses from coming. <laughs> um, anyway, so that that was where where I went because I thought, oh, water uh, water hyacinth. Uh, they they brought the manatees to eat the water hyacinth, and then the manatees became a problem, so they planted the averns. Hmm, great solution. <laughs> uh, anyway, the averns are horribly poisonous to everything. <laughs> I I have a relevant story here, oddly. So, oh. um, you 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 know the the Mall of America in Minnesota? Oh, mm-hmm. oh, do I? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, 
huge mall at the time the largest one and they built an internal ecosystem in there so they had flowers and they had bees that didn't sting and they did all of this stuff what really oh yeah they tried to create a perfect closed ecosystem for the place and um what one of the things they did was like well we need insect control so they got these little tiny lizards that you know would would you know, eat bugs that were inappropriate or at a certain age or whatever. And my dad got called in to help with this whole thing because once they launched it, uh, it turns out rats ate all the lizards. (laughs) 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 They should have used spiders. I'm just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Basically, like, they handed him his first check, and he's like, don't play God. Open the doors. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say – I I have encouraged my children to like spiders because I explained to them spiders don't bother you. They're all around. You don't see them and they eat the bugs that you do see. Um and in that sense, they're better than lizards because you because mm. you'll see the lizards. Um yeah. I went to uh Australia. And have you seen a lizard eat a bug? Ugh. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> yeah. Um and, uh, lizards always look at you like they know something that you don't too, which is like <laughs> come on, asshole. Um, but, uh, uh, as as as, as uh, having a bearded dragon, you are absolutely correct. Uh, right? yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's so funny that like Car- Carlo, like I've known you for I don't know three years, four years now, and it was only like last month that I found out that you that, like, <laughs> you had a bearded dragon that you were like constantly in 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 what I imagined to be discourse with. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I went to uh, Australia with like a, a, a like a, like youth group type trip when I was I don't know thirteen or fourteen, um, and we were staying in this kind of like quasi resort area. R- resort is too nice of a word. It's more of like a, a the the a, a, a location that could be a resort, but you send you send teenagers there. Um, mm. who who don't who don't have enough power to complain about like you know it it being kind of a dump, um, and I remember waking up in the middle of the night, and turning the the room lights on to go to the restroom, and the ceiling was just covered in little lizards just all looking at me, and as soon as the lights were on, they just went just all ran like dozens and dozens of them, um, so that that to this day is what I think about uh, uh lizards, and I only saw one spider when I was in Australia, and it was giant, absolutely giant, like the size of a clock. Um, but Jesus! I only saw one of them, and and I saw lots of lizards. So, well, the the, the the spider was the, the spider was there to eat the lizards uh, right. in this case. <laughs> Those um, orb webs scare the crap out oh, of me, though. This wasn't an orb. This was called, I think, uh, a a like I think the, I think they huntsman. Called it, yes, a huntsman spider. Yes, it was yeah. fucking big. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know. The worst thing about I, – I'm I married an Australian at one point. Like the Pete backstory could be its own fucking podcast. But the <laughs> point is I married an Australian and one of the things about huntsman spiders is if you use some sort of insecticide on them, a couple of legs d- drop off and they go crazy. They don't die. Oh, Jesus. So our our our, our, our uh, chaperone uh, poked it with a broom and it dropped on her head. <laughs> it's great so where where in australia were you uh this so we went to uh sydney cairns and we went to um we we are also in new zealand briefly we went to um was it adelaide is that is that what it is yeah 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 adelaide um and the the serial killer capital of australia is it i didn't wait wait oh yeah adelaide is in new zealand right 
No, it's in Australia. Okay, then what's uh, what's the place in uh, New Zealand? What's the capital of New Zealand? Uh, isn't it Wellington? Or well, I don't know if Christchurch think, is the I think capital. Well, I, I, I think it's Wellington. You're now, probably right. I'm- um, th- this was at like a little weird offshore resort island. I think it was called Green Island, which I'm sure there's like a hundred Green Islands uh, around <laughs> Australia. Um, which was where this was, and we were on the opposite side side of the island from like an actual nice resort. Man, we're not talking about uh, Shadow of the Torturer at all anymore. We're, we're, we're no, no, uh, Kurt. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow it because Do it, bring it back. this is this is the antipodal. We're we are talking about the antipodes, and uh, this was a valid uh, medieval uh, Christian belief that uh, the antipodes actually did, in fact, contain the opposites of ourselves. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, so. After Severian picks his flower, he goes to get a drink at a treehouse. Well, he gets a second flower, too, as a training tool. (laughs) Yes, as a training tool. Uh, Agia is the one that says, well, you're going to just go to the sanguinary field without eating, uh, without letting me eat anything. I haven't eaten the thing all day. And she she basically tells – sort of browbeats him into – into taking her to the Inn of Lost Loves, which is <laughs> an amazing name for a, 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 an inn that, um, yeah, it's right, uh, the, the, the only place right before the Sanguinary Fields where you can get a drink and a bite to eat. I, I appreciated that its sign was a crying woman dragging a bloody sword. <laughs> yes, a huge I, bloody I also, sword. Yes, I also loved that the cook was very, very sort of like, just very, uh, had such a plum that he's like, yeah, well, you know, uh, you, you pay for, for part of your meal up front. Well, what if I die? Well, then you obviously you don't pay anything else. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. And, and then, and then after, after some, uh, some, some, uh, Severian gets a bit horny. Although Jeez. not as horny as his companion, um, sorry. And then it turns that's, that's out Chewy, that's Chewy, Hi, Chewy. Uh, giving the the horny the horny alert. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, that's the bonk dog. Um, and <laughs> yes. uh, and and eventually, Severian gets a mysterious message which says, uh, "I've seen this woman before," and then a bunch of confusing crap, which I, I assumed was because he mentions that. He could barely read the handwriting, so I, I assume that the the version well, of the message we get, was I, I, I have, like he couldn't quite read it. I have, I have the message here. It ends the the chapter ends with him reading the message because actually Agia tries to um, convince him not to read the message by basically trying to get him hornier, mm. and uh, you know, like, hey, we could. We could get it on before we go, even though it's going to affect your your fighting. Um, so he gets a message that says, "Give up your inquiries, which are completely useless." And consider these words a second warning. <laughs> the the what other part of that message, I think, is important. It says that guy's a torturer, which is mm-hmm. a pretty strong indicator it's not to him. Yes, yeah. exactly. the woman with you has been here before. Oh, Do not trust her. I didn't Trudeau get- says the man is a torturer. You are my mother. Come again. So yeah, that's by the process, weird part. that's a no, part. no, no. <laughs> Think about who's in the room. This is this is a simple oh. mystery. By process of elimination, who's in the room? Dorcas. There you go. That's who it's for. Oh. Well, that's not that's not, Which, that, that's not very good spycraft, is it? I mean, like, why would you assume <laughs> that she yeah. would get it? 
George well, Smiley I mean, would be all up yeah, in their yeah, yeah. grill. <laughs> well, I mean, but the, but obviously these are. The, the, it was sent by somebody that's in the in the uh, in the, the the staff of the Inn of Lost Loves. I don't think that they're particularly spies. Possibly a cook, <laughs> or a, a, a you know like a, a stable hand or something like that. I don't think that their their spycraft is good. The only reason it's a mystery is because we because Severian assumes it's for him. And we, with Severian, assume as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, it wasn't until I, I reread it a couple of times, I was like, oh, shit, that wasn't a note for him. <laughs> well, I, I figured that, but I actually thought it was a note for um, Agia. Yeah. Agia. Yeah. That, that, that's who I assumed. But yeah, but you're right. It's for Dorcas. And and it, it further sort of drives home the fact that Dorcas is out of time. Like she's yes. out of her time. Right. So, uh, so well, I, I just want to share this real quick. Uh, please. It, th- that note completely confounded me. And um, it reminded me of my daughter's been like uh, repeating this one <laughs> phrase all day long that it, and it's con- also has confounded me. And they're just reminding me of like two. Uh, it, it was sit first dash seven. <laughs> and I, I and she, she claims she's like, yeah, I, I totally get what that means. Like, and she's tried to explain it to me a bunch of times. I, I have no clue what she's talking about. And this is this note similar. I have no clue what this note means. Uh, so, a do- a so dog Chris, walked into a tavern. Chris, yes. brother, you cannot see this. Chris, have <laughs> you have you googled it? Uh, I, no, I, I have just not googled actually. it, and it's actually even more mysterious now. It, it opens it's up more questions cool than it answers. So. Uh, the, it, so I, I googled for sit first dash seven. It says this cryptic phrase is a zengo, a zen koan or riddle. It reminds us that before dashing around in all directions, it is helpful to center ourselves first. <laughs> so how did she come across I a zen koan? She know a zen koan. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that is that is more of a mystery. <laughs> Chris, clearly we need to have her on. Yeah, Chris, uh, has Tressa? Be- did you fish Tressa out of the Garden of Eternal Sleep? Well, uh, you know, she was all <laughs> muddy. <laughs> the, so the full saying in Japanese is "Ichi nazi shite shichi nashiru." Hashiru. First you sit, then seven directions you will run. Apparently, ah, uh, okay. That I, I'm really curious about where this came from. <laughs> I, I, I thought, I'll do some investigating. I was amazed because earlier this week I had to to console my daughter because um uh her 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 class is very into uh, Among Us, which they mm. call Among Us, and um, <laughs> Among yes. and, and she awesome. said that one of her classmates called her sus. <laughs> she was really ah. upset. <laughs> Lord Among Us. <laughs> yes. Wow. So, so I would definitely take uh, Zen Koan over being called sus. Definitely opens up more questions, though. Yes, that's really cool, actually. Like whatever is going on there, the fact that that your your daughter just rattled off a Zen Koan is awesome. Yeah, it's you know slightly yeah, so, discon- disconverting, but anyway, oh, yep. Go ahead. We we did forget one. Uh, central character, which sort of ties to a, a, a <laughs> well, no. breasts, which appear like which which are mentioned <laughs> constantly throughout the yeah. chapter. Yeah. No, no, no. Dorcas's nipple that is uh, hard and firm as a cherry. Mm. Um, no, no. Uh, none oh, other wait, 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 than Mister Mister Honey Badger. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, oh yeah. Uh, so I'm sorry, Kurt. You were oh, gonna, I cut you off. I was going to say 
the 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 part where it mentions her nipple hard and firm as a cherry was was positively uh frank herbertian in, in its, in its <laughs> that, awkward uh metaphor the problem was i got a visual and i didn't want the visual exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah let's talk about uh hildegrin the the badger and an interesting mm-hmm. an interesting character one of one of a variety of craftsmen that have appeared in this in this uh in this book and they all appear to be vaguely mysterious and set in their ways Hmm. Hildegrin of the beefy face. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, so, um, after they meet the old guy who is looking for Cass, his, his lost wife who has been buried in the garden of internal sleep, uh, but somehow the, the body has moved around. Um, they, they meet up with Hildegrin, uh, who actually has a, a little, uh, boat that is large enough for all of them to, to sort of sit in and he rows them across the way. And it isn't until, uh, he basically orders, uh, Dorcas and Agia to sit in certain places that Severian places him. He's like, Oh shit. And it's, he's, he does say, which I think I believe him in this case, that it's because he barely saw him the first time. And it's the guy that Vodalus had basically i guess hired to uh, uh to dig up the body uh, in the first chapter uh and because severian hadn't really ever seen him full on he didn't recognize him he'd only seen him like from the back or you know like from like an oblique profile or some shit like that so it wasn't until he heard the voice say you know that the female uh, i'll i'll take the females and blah blah whatever whatever uh it, that he sort of places him uh, in 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 his memory um i i just find uh hildegrin to be an interesting character in and of itself in and of himself because like what's what's his role <laughs> what, what's what's he supp- like is he just for hire like why would you like if you're like a rebel why would you just hire a guy is he in on it i don't know i don't know it's, it's interesting also that he's a he's a digger of some yes. variety, and oh, he's yeah. in a place that we've been told is filled with sunken bodies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, not and, only in a graveyard, and oh, a graveyard digging up a body. Right, right. Also, yeah. another yeah. Well, and and so um, again, I guess this is sort of like a weird antipodal uh, thing, right? Because he's digging up a body that's in water, where uh, we get. You know, again, in the first chapter, we get Severian, who, when he is, uh, he actually uh, is able to free himself from the roots that he was drowned you know, because he got tangled up and almost drowns. Uh, they see him fall up out of the water, uh, which, you know, just makes me think more about, like, well, what the fuck is going on here? Um, and, and he. What's the other thing I was going to say? Um, shit. Well, I- I'm just sort of like making connections back to the first chapter. We're at the almost at the end of this book. So it's like, what the fuck is going on? Well, you know, we only need to stretch this out for another 20 minutes or so, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we do not. We do not. Uh, just real quick. Uh, the, the whole idea of like the people um, being buried underwater uh, gave me like a lot of vibes from that um, 
the scene in Lord of the Rings. Yes. Where... Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I. Yeah. I honestly, I thought Gulliver's Travels. Hmm. hmm. You well, are just, a like, smarter and more cultured man than I. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, all like sort of the framing of uh, Gulliver's Travels. Like periodically, he would he would assemble like a a a bizarre scenario involving another country to make a commentary on what's going on and keep going. And it sort of felt like that because, like, there's no. Like there's no reason any of this shit should be happening. Like, like, like fundamentally, we don't care that people are filled with lead and and put in the soy sauce river to be preserved forever. Uh, the, the tea, the tea river. Yeah. So, so sorry. So, like, there was. So I have to say that that brought to mind two things. Uh, the soy sauce river. Um, it, it could be. I, I suspect I know what it actually is, but there was another thing that occurred to me first because it's local. The thing I think it actually is is a peat bog. Of, yeah. of sorts, which which is known for preserving bodies, um, and d- due to I believe the acidity of the water, um, and the the other thing though is uh, so I live, uh, I grew up in New Jersey, and in South Jersey, uh, there's something called that we call cedar water, which is a a dark red water where the water itself is highly acidic. Not it's it, 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 people. People have a folk belief that it's because cedar needles fall into the water. It's actually because of high iron content um, mm-hmm. in the sands. It's it's in the 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 pine barrens mostly, um, and so it's this dark red water that has a weird smell and taste to it. And actually, like when you, when you go in the water and you come out, like little bits of red uh, sediment like cling to the hairs on your body. Um, so, so that's what it, that's what it put me in mind of, but I think it's because it's, it's, it's likening it to a peat bog, which certainly preserves, uh, bodies famously. So they, they found bodies that have, Mm -hmm. you know, weirdly preserved with like ropes around their neck that were using some kind of weird execution or ritual or, or something. Not entirely sure. Yeah. I, I, I forget if it was, uh, the old man or if it was Hildegrin who was talking about, uh, how it preserves the body. I think it was the old man and he's, he corrects, like he, he sort of like preempts that, uh, thought, um, b- mainly because yes, uh, I, that's exactly what I thought of Kurt myself. Um, but he said, oh, when he, when, when I say preserve the bodies, it's not, it's not, you're thinking shoe leather. Think more like a woman's gloves. Hmm. And so it's like very soft. You're supposed to come out of it very soft and, and pliable and you know, all that stuff. So uh, it, it then weird makes a weird poetic sense that when they find Dorcas, if she was pulled, like she came out of the, the water, that she's perfectly preserved and alive. <laughs> hmm. I like how they talk about uh, ostensibly dead people vomiting up lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, yes. and the the guy's uh, story about like they put cement on their eyes or some sort of mm-hmm. some sort of like glue on their eyes and uh, yeah, like it's that the whole that whole thing was very um, an interesting uh, like you know like custom. Well, it's it's sort of like Fantasmic Oracle, right? It's sort of like a weird, gruesome detail. Very that much lends. So. It, but it lends a a certain verisimilitude to the entire thing where everything else is sort of because you, you focus on those details, which feel real. 
and, and you don't really, then you sort of swallow the idea that, yeah, they put these bodies in here and the bodies move around and, and wait, there's a girl that just came out of the bog and it, did she come out of the bog? We're not sure, but she wasn't there before. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's sort of like a magician's trick, right? It's, he's giving you these weird details so you can focus on that and that feels real, but then voila, mm-hmm. the girl was behind your ear all along. <laughs> Anyway, I think we um, we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, I'm. No, I, you, I get, say, you guys need. Oh, go ahead. You got to stay online with me forever, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I, oh. I, I, I'm dying to know what the fuck is going on. Yes, agreed. Uh, it's so. This is the. This was. This was the biggest cliffhanger so far in the book of a a mysterious message that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's 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 again um n- not to invoke tolkien twice in in the podcast but i will uh it's the garbled message right mm-hmm. it's the 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 garbled transmission you get from the from the ship or whatever right and it's like what, what the fuck does that mean <laughs> i don't understand <laughs> we should watch out for what though no? <laughs> wait what's that in tolkien the 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 book of um uh, mazar bull uh, oh he, he, yes, 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 yes. Okay, I like, gotcha. like I he's, gotcha. yeah, he's, yeah. It's just the garble transmission. Yeah. Drums uh, trick. in the deep. They are coming. They are coming. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I do have to agree with you, Kurt. Uh, this does, uh, in a book that sort of tries to uh, demure from cliffhangers, this does feel like a very cliffhangery ending. Uh, with the garbled transmission of a message that we don't know, or do we know who it's for? We we do know by now. Um, anyway, uh, any last thoughts, folks? Uh, I'm psyched. To th- this I might break my rule and read ahead. Mm-mm. Finally, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, I've been thinking about that. It's it's <laughs> maybe got me. It's maybe got me. I might I might be lying. Five okay. minutes after this well, is I mean, done, I might have already forgotten about that. Uh, Carlo, our king. <laughs> I, I would like to push forward the idea that maybe we could accelerate the schedule. I agree with that. I agree with that. Mm. I think I, th- I think we could. I think we could. All right. All right. So we could we could talk about that um, for sure. So next week, a uh, hundred more chapters. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well, uh, I, I've been reading ahead already, so <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Uh, no, no, not quite that much, but, but maybe we could, um, I don't know, maybe, uh, do a, a, a dash for the end, uh, for next session. Mm. Ooh, wow. That would be tough. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, maybe, maybe let's start it's like with nine. Yeah. We, we it's like nine chapters, it. if not my second. Really? Anyway. Nine chapters? Oh really? yeah. We, I believe so. Let me, let me, let me double, let me double, double check here because I think. But nothing's happened. Nothing's fucking happened. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to kill somebody with a flower. Come on. <laughs> I wanted to oh, no. kill someone with that fucking sword. Yes. Yes, please. No, no, no. That sword yes. is only for executions. Come on, Nappy. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, so, then I want so, him to execute someone enough. in combat. Okay, so uh, chapter 35. That's the end of the book. Oh, we can make that. We can do it. We can do it. Yeah, okay. You're right. We can do that. All right. So let's. Uh, we'll, we'll move it up. Uh, and um, and short book. we'll we'll try we'll try for a chapter thirty five by next session. All I, right. I, I mean, a bigger a bigger compliment cannot be paid to this book than that. 
I, I would say. Yeah. yeah. All right. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So uh, that is that then. Um, folks, you, you, you're hearing it here first. We're going <laughs> to skip ahead. Uh, so, or not skip ahead, but we're going to read ahead. Uh, so next time uh, we will then cover the rest of the, the book, uh, The Shadow of the Torture. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you then. Uh, gents, it's been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am yeah, really okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Carlo. Damn. Before yes. we go, can I say, yes. this is coming out, I believe, on Thursday, and I will say right now, here and now, in this moment, that by the time this comes out, the Satan issue of Blood Knife will have been up for a couple days, and we've got five action-packed, insightful, interesting pieces of artistic and cultural criticism about the big man himself, Lucifer slash Satan slash the morning star slash whatever else you want to call him, uh, along with a new playlist, the advocate, some insane art, some <laughs> really cool shit. Um, go check it out at bloodknife.com. You can support us at patreon.com slash bloodknife. It's been a long time coming. Super psyched that people have stuck with us during our, uh, reorganization of the content calendar and everything. Um, and, uh, we got some, we got some great stuff out there and coming soon. So go and check that out. So I say, triumphantly <laughs> bloody ear and knife ear that's right that's excellent right. excellent so long as we're, right. we're dragging this on along can i say one more thing no nope. so, good night everyone it. i just okay <laughs> never mind no, go actually no that is too awesome let's end it let's leave that hanging <laughs> all right excellent well thanks everyone for listening in uh thanks gents for for reading this amazing book with me and um Thanks for everyone listening in, and we'll catch you next time here on Podside.